before we get started, I wanted to uh, say some words for Vin Scully, the announcer for the Dodgers for over half a century, who passed passed away this last week, yeah. last Sunday, right after we finished recording our last episode of the pod. I think of him in particular because, you know, he's in a lot of ways, what he did, it may not seem like it, but similar to, you know, some of my best hopes or dreams or desires for this show in, in a lot of ways, you know, similar to what we do in a lot of ways, different, like, you know, you, he's a storyteller. He, he sits down, you, you tune into the game and his, his style was about, telling a story he would he would be very conversational he would talk directly to the audience a lot of announcers sports announcers they've got like play-by-play and color commentator and they talk talk mostly to each other and vin worked alone and he would be talking directly to you the listener and all sorts of you know conversational turns of phrase that he would employ sit down and pull up a chair or did i ever tell you about the time you know you and me, we've been <laughs> friends for a long time. Things like that. That's just like, it It was such a, a personable and relatable way of, of speaking and, and making friends across distance, you know, or somebody would be out on, on the base paths had have no chance of making it to the next base. And Scully would say, he was out from me to you. And so that's one aspect, just like, the ability to, as a storyteller, to make connections with your voice with a stranger and to be, you know, a regular presence, you know, you turn on the radio or the television and he was there 162 nights a year for over half a century. You know, we could only dream of that kind of longevity and consistency, but it, it was all about sharing some time talking about this thing that you love. And, you know, that's a really special thing. And that's something that I hope to or try to bring to, to this podcast. And also, although he did it in a different way, hype was not really a tool that he used or needed. <laughs> he let the game supply its own hype, you know, and some of his most famous calls when something really exciting is happening. He doesn't try and hype up the crowd. He doesn't try and match that the moment with with his voice to tell you how important or how amazing it is he just sits back and says nothing you know like he would he did world series the world series for like 25 years and some of the biggest moments like the kurt gibson home run in 88 or the ball going through buckner's legs in 86 over a minute of silence after it happened and he calls the play and then just letting letting the crowd noise tell the story, you know, and, and, and he just sits there. And when he comes back, he has the exact right word for the moment instead of started trying to convince you that this is hype. Mm -hmm. It's let's, uh, you know, you know what this is. We've, we've, you and I, we've been friends for so long. You understand why this is important. So let's just uh, enjoy this moment together. So shout out to the best who ever did it. Big influence on my life. Rachel and I went to his last game that, uh, oh. that he did in 2016, his last home game. And, uh, and he, it was a wild finish. Dodgers won and, you know, walk off Homer by a absolute nobody journeyman and in extra innings. And then he sang 
you are the wind beneath my wings over the loudspeaker. And it was just, you know, 55,000 people all crying their eyes out. It was, it was a really incredible moment. So. As, as generally an outsider, but knowing references and recognizing his voice, even though I didn't watch a whole lot of baseball. Yeah. What do you connect with more between Vin Scully or Chick Hearn? Oh man. They were both so perfect for their individual sports. Yeah. I I'm a bigger basketball fan than baseball fan. My house as well. Yeah. Chick Hearn was the cocaine eighties and, you know, (laughs) and basketball and, you know, he was high energy. He also did radio TV simulcast, which is insane. He would narrate all of the action of a basketball play. You listen to calls, uh, you know, calls of him and he's talking a mile a minute and he's describing, you know, magic of the ball, 18 feet dribbles, uh, yo-yos the ball up and down, you know, worthy comes off a cut, uh, thinks about it, goes back to the court. You know, he's got everything that 10 people are doing at the same time, describing all of that action on the basketball court. So it really is like apples to oranges, but yeah, it it's, they're both masters of their craft and they did it in such different ways. It's, it's hard to compare. Yeah. I just, my parents would mute the TV and throw on the radio. Oh yeah. To like Lakers. Absolutely. Um, It's like Jake Hearn was very much a voice of the household. Yes. Um, Yeah. So that, that's, I don't know. Chick was my, quote unquote, my radio host. Yes. Uh, But Vince, Vince Scully's voice is just iconic. Legendary. Yeah. You you can't really. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting to now think of baseball without his voice. No kidding. Yeah. Dodgers got a really good announcer to, to follow him up, but there's only one Vince Scully. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. There's only one hype is my superpower. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's put the intro music there. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to have to trademark our name after like 100 episodes. Is that a thing? (laughs) I don't know. I don't either. Anyway, thanks for giving me some time to talk about that. Welcome to Hype is My Superpower. It's a podcast, not a radio show, although I could see why you'd get too confused. We talk about the things that we are hyped upon. And as we often do, we're talking about comics, although we're taking, continuing our foray into the Krakoa era X-Men, you know, current comic books, which we both talk about together. These episodes are always super fun, so I'm excited. And we didn't have that much material for this week, so we're going to supplement it with some of our own various readings that Mm -hmm. we read separately. I read two books. I, w- I read one. Including Reign of X. <laughs> oh, yeah. I read two, including Reign of X. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So how do we want to do this? Do we want to start with Reign or start with our individuals? Let's start with Reign. 
Cool. Right. Oh, I, I'm just going to, I'm going to have a hard time just not talking about rain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm down. So rain volume 11, it's only three different titles. So yeah, yeah. Can really, we can, we can actually fly through this. This might be a, a reasonable length podcast today. <laughs> Imagine that. Despite our best efforts. Yeah, so Rain Volume 11 starts with an issue of Way of X, Way of X number two. Yeah, yeah. You sent me a message saying that this is potentially becoming your favorite Rain of X title. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, I I sent that as I read the very last page. Okay. I... Was thinking, I was thinking of that message as I was reading the very first, and I was not surprised even then. It's so good. It's so much fun. Okay. So, for people who don't listen to our X book, uh, Giant Size X Men pods, which you ought we to, do, but yes, we, we review the Krakoa X, X titles a little differently than when we are reviewing our separate yeah. uh, stories because. We're both coming from the same set of knowledge yeah. <laughs> as far as reviewing. So we just kind of talk about our reaction to what happened in the books. We highly recommend reading these titles. Yeah, we'll um, do we'll do our best to kind of give, you know, uh, a running summary as we go. But we're going to be a little a little scattershot in comparison. Yeah, we're gonna and and you should hype. you should read these anyway, because they're good. You know, they're like so, most of them are so good. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay. Okay. All right. So way of X. So way of X. And actually I want to, I want to take a step back. Sure. For the Krakoa era in general. Sure. What have we been saying? What have we been saying this entire time? What have we, what have we been saying since something Dawn is of weird. X something is wrong. Something is wrong. Something is off. We've been oh. saying this this whole time. <laughs> And oh Legion my finds this little Legion ghost. just straight up says, Yeah, oh, something is wrong with you. Kurt. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, so so Way of X, where where the story last left off, it's a title kind of about Krakoan culture, right? And Kurt is in the process of coming up with a Krakoan religion because he is concerned about some of the cultural and spiritual effects of resurrection on the kids they you know take their deaths very lightly they take whatever i'll just get resurrected it's fine yeah exactly and you know it makes them kind of nihilistic and callous in a lot of ways and so he uh, follows this um you know chain of rumors and clues about something called the patchwork man to uh, the mutant boogeyman yeah, to uh, the disembodied consciousness of David Holler, aka Legion, son of Charles Xavier, who has many different personality, you know, dissociative identity disorder, blah, blah, blah. You can watch the FX show about it. It's really good. Or read Cy Spurrier's X-Men Legacy book, Cy Spurrier, also the writer mm-hmm. here for Way of X. And yeah. to start we this off, also yeah. the extra little thing. Legion's hundreds of personalities each have a different mutant power. 
Yes, correct. <laughs> and whichever personality is presenting at the time has that mutant power. Uh, yeah, in like manifested in reality. It's wild. So they, you know, the the last issue ended with them kind of like discovering one another, and David starts this off saying, uh, "Hey, Kurt, I noticed something's off. Something's wrong." going on and he jumps into Kurt's brain and pulls out this little gross little sack of psychic coin looks like a coin I thought it I thought it looked like a Krakoa spore now I was gonna be trying to vindicate my own theories but (laughs) that may not be the actual cause as it turns out what this is this is literally kind of the last time we see it it's yeah. just this dangling plot thread now. Oh, really? I, f- I felt like it is very much tied up in the uh, the sort of ending. It has a lot to do with how they ended it in terms of the identity of the patchwork man, that this would be the cause of this sort of psychic sickness within Kurt and presumably the rest of them. Oh, the coin? You think? Oh, I, I, I might have missed that. That's, that's okay. That's my guess. Let's keep going. Yeah, so there's this fantastic scene between Dr. Nemesis, Fabian Cortez, and Dazzler, where Nemesis <laughs> is hating on Disco, and Cortez is ruining being kicked out of uh, Sword for being a bigot. And then... Never hurt people, just humans. <laughs> right, Oof. exactly. Uh, Man! It, and then, okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really appreciate Fabian Cortez for being someone that is racist in the other direction. (laughs) Yeah. Like you just like throughout my ex history, like there are plenty of usually bad mutants who have like disdain towards humans because of how they are treated. But like, I feel like none of them look at humans with this like disgust that Cortez has this like rev- sort of like yes. xenophobic, like the way like Magneto and Apocalypse see humans as lesser. It's always been like a superiority sort of just like, this is the cause of my actions to make the world better it's used there's usually like an end game <laughs> right Cortez right. it's just yeah. this blind hatred and towards humans and we got into some of the history of that in sword in our previous volumes of giant size x-men with his you know sort of affluenza and um mm-hmm. you know basically being a spoiled little trust fund shit so it, it's cool to see him turned into a character. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, yeah. So the, the background to this is basically that Legion is telling Nightcrawler, like, look, I got something for you to do. You need to get some people together, uh, you know, pull a team together and help me out with something here. Uh, you have 10 minutes. And so he comes in and uh, to recruit Nemesis. And 
that that guy who I assume he's going to be a more major character later. He was he's oh, kind of been a slinky. yeah lanky guy named Lost. He he's kind of been a throwaway character in the background for the first couple issues of this title. He walks by and he makes everybody just vomit, including Dupe with this like rainbow projectile vomit, which is <laughs> hilarious. Well, um, so yeah, the the cell right before that patchwork man is like unleashing this like pink psychic wave is he ground i didn't notice that oh man that's so cool interesting i wonder if there's a connection between him and lost anyway they they get to this orcas facility which is connected saudi arabia in saudi arabia uh and it's part of what pedal five pedal six of orcas the sociology and modeling section of Orcus. fifth pedal. The fifth pedal. And they are concerning themselves with basically, it turns out they have Legion's disembodied brain, which is supposed to not exist anymore, but who knows? And they are using it as like a supercomputer and all of the various powered personas within it to as a simulator to to model a potential societal collapse of Krakoa. Yeah. And so the idea here, again, ah! has <laughs> hundreds of personalities, all of varying degrees of goodness and badness within his psyche persona in his brain, whatever. And so they've used his like mindscape and basically asked the question, what would happen if you removed the prime personality? Not just that, because it, it it's they, they do that in order to destabilize it, but they also do yeah. it towards a, a purpose or a function. Right. They are introducing elements to uh, as uh, not just personally destabilizing, but socially, sociologically destabilizing towards the ends of finding you know, the series of inputs or, you know, influences they can put on Krakoa to make it destroy itself, to turn against itself, for everybody to value me over we. And (laughs) incredible. So this is why this is why the sociology division, this is a comic book about sociology. It's amazing. I love this so much. And uh, Dr. Nemesis identifies this condition as anime or derangement of the infinite, the hypothetical decay afflicting societies with no limits, where everything is possible, but nothing is ma- nothing matters. That's My God, literally I, Krakoa. Yeah. Oh, incredible. Incredible. Yeah, nothing, nothing matters because you're just going to get resurrected. But mm-hmm. every anything is possible because you're all superpowered. And I, I feel that in our current world in so many ways too. It's like, Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. you can do whatever you want. You want to, you want to go publish comics, go for it. You're not going to, you're not going to be meaningful. Nobody's going to read your shit. Go ahead. Knock yourself out. (laughs) You have hundreds of followers on Uh, the pros group, sir. It feels it is more successful than our podcast right now. Mm. If you, if you call, if you count followers, sure. We have like six followers on Podbeam, but we have plenty of <laughs> listeners on our Facebook. Yeah, account. we do. 
it's it's hard to remember that it's hard to to feel like it matters a lot of the time but anyway they go through this sort of uh, legion and nightcrawler have this mini back and forth or there's this small theme running throughout where david hates his the name legion because it is sort of like definition of his it's defining himself by his illness by his dissociative identity right uh, he's so many people and he would rather just be David. And Kurt says, well, a nightcrawler is a disgusting blue worm and it was used as on me as an insult. But over time I came to, you know, claim it and love it and, you know, use it as my own. And, and so he kind of, that's sort of the, the tipping point for, for Legion when he accepts the name Legion and, they're able to sort of bring things under order within his mind, but they also have to do the next step. Would you like to talk about the destruction of Legion's brain? <laughs> so, so Nemesis, Nemesis is like, okay, well, if we're going to like really help him and also get rid of this Orcus program, we need to, we need, we need to kill, we need to kill Legion. Yep. We need to kill his brain. And so he has a gun. He's like, I got this. Let me take care of it. And Nightcrawler is like, no, favor for a favor. This should be me. Let me do it. And he has such a hard time. It initially hurts him and so then, much. And then he and then he changes. You watch him let go of his yeah. misgiving. And he said he he starts to say a prayer. And then he just says, you know what? Never mind. He's just like he's he's leaving the 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 human Christian morality behind him and basically accepting a a spirituality and a moral practice, which is shaped by life on Krakoa, Mm -hmm. but still trying to do it in in a moral way. I think I think we're going to see a new morality unfold within Kurt as the series goes on that is still going to be good. You know, I think, I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't think Kurt's going to stop being a good dude. I don't think Krakoa is going to take that away from him. I think I'm excited to see what that looks like. Yeah. So pretty much immediately after that, something washes over Krakoa. Yeah. And everyone like pauses and then the five in Arbor Magna, like, basically subconsciously begin a resurrection process for for David and as soon as he's rebirthed Xavier's there and he refuses to upload David yeah return his consciousness to this new body that they have created for him out of this egg yeah, he says he's he's too unstable. One little lapse and he could tear down everything we've built. I'm sorry, my God, you have no idea how sorry, but I can't I can't countenance it. I won't use Cerebro to install his consciousness in a new body, not until I'm sure it's safe. And then you get this psychic speech bubble. It's like, that's fine. I didn't think you're going to anyway. I got it. And David does it himself. <laughs> copies himself out of cerebro is like i'm good i got this incredible 
And and also in this passage, in this sort of passage, he David describes himself as like I never thought of myself as a god, and that combined with this sort of pause, this wave of silence across Krakoa, makes me wonder exactly how much Legion himself is going to be tied up into this new spirituality, this way of X. Mm. Yeah, man. And this is all happening the day of the Hellfire Gala. Yes. The Hellfire Gala is tonight. <laughs> yes. Oh, we waited so long. And then oh my gosh. he's kind of, he, he takes issue with Xavier and Magneto yeah. uh, and the way that they're running things. Well, that. Go, go, go ahead. If Magneto is like, well, since you're here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'm putting something together, something world shaking. I don't know what that means from Magneto's perspective, but uh, God. pass. <laughs> he says several other Omega level mutants are involved. I would welcome your participation. And Legions just stops in mid sentence. like, I don't trust you. Hard yep. pass. And then he turns <laughs> to Xavier and says, I don't trust you either. Yeah. Which he shouldn't. His, yeah. his own father didn't want to fucking resurrect him. So totally. yeah, hard pass, dad. And he says, <laughs> there's something wrong here. And nobody, you two aren't asking questions. Kurt is the only one I trust because he is full of questions. And he dares to ask some of them out loud. That's so cool. And, oh my gosh. And then we get sort of a stinger at the end that <laughs> the patchwork man is this sort of project from Orcus to psychically destabilize Krakoa and it is onslaught. Kurt's like, do you know who the Patrick man is? And, 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 and well, he says, call me a Legion now. So I'll call him. Legion. But like Legion's like, yeah, I can sense him. It's, it's obvious. (laughs) And there's a very specific reason why I didn't mention it to yeah. Xavier yeah. and Magneto. Yeah. It's an onslaught. <laughs> are they gonna fucking are they gonna fucking make me interested in onslaught? Are they going to rehabilitate onslaught as a concept? Are they gonna okay. actually make onslaught not suck? Oh my god. That would be third times the charm. Third times the charm. <laughs> Because Onslaught Reborn was a terrible story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it did not need to exist. And I hope they just ignore that part of his history. <laughs> but oh my gosh. Ons- Onslaught. Onslaught? Onslaught. Onslaught. Who is Onslaught, Steve? You just read it like not long ago. <laughs> a couple years ago by now. It was one of our first uh, episodes on the pod. Yeah, Onslaught was the psychic merger, basically, of the scooped out remnants of Magneto's consciousness after Xavier brain wiped him during the fatal attraction storyline in 1993 combined with sort of all of the dark and repressed aspects of Xavier's personality, mix that up into a psychic stew, give it some crazy psi armor and very overwhelming powers and underbaked motivations. And you've got, a villain who goes ahead and kills all of the Avengers and Fantastic Four 
and several other heroes and villains just in time for their scheduled reboot. Mm -hmm. One of the first crossover events that expanded beyond the individual like group. Yeah. Yeah. This was, this was probably the, the largest in scope crossover like that wars that elk oh, secret wars was just a uh a miniseries so yeah. this that was probably <laughs> Whereas, the yeah big, onslaught was like a year long it, it was only two months but it it was was it only two months it was only two months but it was except for in in x-men they were kind of building it up before then yeah yeah but they yeah you know involved normal issues of every single just yeah, about every like, single yeah. title was, throughout yeah, the entire Marvel universe. Yeah. It was uh company wide basically. Yep. Exactly. Um, yeah. Onslaught was arguably the first thing that got me interested in comics. Uh, it was the first big comics thing that I collected myself when I started buying comics, they were yeah. doing the lead up to Onslaught and I was like, Oh shit, I get to read marvel history as it happens right? this is extremely exciting and, and you I collecting re- it is what got me interested <laughs> I yeah was like oh i didn't this really have cool. <laughs> the perspective to be like actually this is trash this is really bad <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah i mean that because that introduced me to franklin richards and yeah. how powerful he is the idea of the birth of onslaught just really intrigued me yeah Um, me too well because because the the first the first crossover that really captured my attention would happen you know right before i started collecting comics and it it was that fatal attraction storyline you know it was like i was collecting the cards and that was like the most recent thing and so basically all of the characters and their trading cards were talking about their status quo immediately after fatal attractions. And I was just like, Oh yeah. my God, what a huge thing, you know? Yeah. They had like the, the first time I really stuff. saw the potential behind Hulk and how mm. strong he can get. Yeah. I remember you showing me that page of just the little mini monologue of the strong, the anger Hulk gets, the stronger Hulk gets and Hulk yeah. is angry. And he did the little page flip and it's just yeah. this giant fist cracking onslaught's armor. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> After that, I was like, <gasps> comics. <Down. laughs> yes. <laughs> Because after Onslaught is when Thunderbolts came out. And that's when I was yeah, like, Haha, was your first I'm collecting big... something Stephen isn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, Onslaught. Oh, yeah. Anyway, the last page of this issue also has Onslaught in the clouds. and It looks really cool. I didn't notice it the first time. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <sighs> so that's, that's Way of X. We'll see. So Way of X, Way of X is going to be so cool. Also, also, like I don't think it should be understated that we had, like, the crossover events are like House House of X, Powers of Ten, Ten of Swords, and then the beginning was Dawn of X, and then we've got yep. Reign of X, yep. and they were all made of individual titles like Marauders and. X factor yeah. And, yeah. and random stuff. But this 
is an individual title with an of X name. It's true. Yeah, it is That's a big deal. It is. It should uh, be a big deal. At least. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really talking about Krakoa on a broader sense than you know uh, Krakoa as a whole, as opposed to like a discrete uh, function of the uh, of the society, like it's trade or it's you know cia or you know governance or whatever yeah mm-hmm. other <sighs> than like fallen angels this is the first like original title too actually there had been a fallen angels before haha back in the 80s this is the first original title <laughs> there had never been well, titles children of the atom is new yeah children of the atom is new there had never been series for marauders or hellions before really there had yeah there had been, you know, teams named those things. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Well, never yeah. mind. I take that back. <laughs> but my initial claim <laughs> of this being an of X title is important. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay. Yeah. So the next title we have is Cable. Yeah. I think yeah. this is the end of Cable. This is the end of Cable. Initial reaction, I liked, it made me kind of like this title. It, yeah, me too. It well, I think it was it. It's still not hate this title. It, it's still on my lower end of Krakoa era titles. Absolutely, but it is so much better than <laughs> almost all of the nineties that I'm reading. <laughs> it's a it's a high bar to clear. It's a much higher bar to clear. And yeah, the ending in particular really made the whole thing come together. But yeah, this this title has kind of, you know, lacked for directions at times, been kind of like twisted around, been twisted around by crossovers going on, you know, his his role in Kid Cable's role in X of Swords kind of throwing off their their narrative, you know, plot direction of this sort of larger plot about missing mutant babies and what turns out to be strife behind it all. And so at the end of the last bit of Cable that we read, Kid Cable decided to that he was not the right Cable to handle Strife and this plot and basically gave up his own resurrection privileges on Krakoa and asked for the five to resurrect adult Cable, which Scott and Jean were not in favor of because in their perspective, they finally get to raise their kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. I keep forgetting that Cable is actually from Six One Six, right? <laughs> <laughs> he was um, indeed born, but he's Madeline's child, isn't he? Yes, yes. So biologically, really she needs she needs to get over it. <laughs> well, she was red in the future and That's raised true. him as her That's own true. son, but not in her own body. <laughs> Cause comics. Cause comics. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. That is, so that is honestly a conversation that I hadn't considered when you have two people of the same timeline mm-hmm. right here. It's weird that that they're not both just covered by resurrection protocols. 
Yeah, I mean, this is one of those instances in, um, you know, comics doing time where it's like, oh, so this time they are the same person on different points in their life versus, you know, two different, like, divergent realities that are created by different things, different choices that they made or things that they did. Okay, okay. You know, the the time displacement versus, you know, things that create alternate realities is is a bit inconsistent but you know whatever they get they it's their universe they get to make the rules and yeah but i'm like not straight up missed opportunity like, oh man i'm not a, i'm not that, a nitpicker in this way i'll let them have their cake and eat it too yeah that's fine yeah but like for old man cable to be like no keep the virus like oh yeah the, oh we just talked about this. Yeah. And <laughs> how much I want a cable that's not dealing with the TO virus. But do you, maybe, maybe they had to go publish all of this X-Man just to let us know what a bad idea that would be. It would just make right? cable just like completely insufferable and emo and just make his book suck. And so like, okay, we need I feel like though an old man cable with decades of experience would be better than a young adult. For sure, for sure. Nate Gray T- test with baby. hours of experience. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for sure. Uh, but yeah, it's not a big deal. But to, if you want to get real meta about it, yeah, that means that in these eggs, they can create a techno-organic virus. That's true. That is crazy. That is that is crazy. That 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 virus is is no joke. That virus is terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the five can just make it in an egg whenever they Yeah. Want. I mean they seem to also have an infinite supply of extra skeletons for Wolverine. So, you know, whatever. Unless they can just make adamantium in these eggs. Right. Like that's what that's what Proteus that's his right. role. It's true. <laughs> oh God, Proteus is terrifying. We have really dodged a bullet in that he's like he's very tame. Know, I know <laughs> that he's just like more or less a good dude right now. He yeah. hasn't had any curiosity about his mom at all, right? Uh, to the point where he well, they don't know she's a mutant. They don't show. They don't know she's a mutant. Correct. And so they dedicate the hospital on yeah. Uh, Majapur and her name and all that kind of yep. stuff. Well, yep, yep. like, yeah, that's <laughs> man. I feel like Proteus is going to get real pissed. Anyway, yeah, that's going to be an interesting plot to watch in the future. Okay, so yeah, Cable and the Five arguing for Cable's uh, Kid Cable and the Five arguing for Old Cable's resurrection, and you know scott and gene arguing against it although they get one over and so too do what they call the helmet bros of (laughs) of charles and ed magneto Uh, and then esme breaks up with kid cable on behalf of all of the cuckoos uh (laughs) in what ends up being a, a pretty cool recurring scene throughout these two issues that we read here the last night of galador the space knight who has claimed to Cable sword shows up because cool okay. that ended up being a, a completely unnecessary subplot for 
this title. It was really just like, how do we get him a sword for 10 of swords? And so really, they couldn't just make a sword, (laughs) right? Whatever. It had to be the night, the light of Galador or whatever, whatever, whatever. Strike has a sword. Yeah. Steal his. Oh, the other thing about bringing cable back with the techno organic virus is they ask him like why and he says gotta ha- oh no a uh, gold ball says gotta have hobbies can't be right? all about yeah, the yeah because he's like on his <laughs> note it's like yeah he's almost on a breakthrough on his research on the to virus Cable, don't make cable a researcher right He's a soldier, has yeah. been since day one. Totally. Before we even knew that he was Ben Pryor's baby, he was a soldier. Yep. Don't, true. don't make him do research. Yep. Shut up. So Oops. anyway, Cable and Cable have a team up and it works really well. I thought it was, I thought it was well done. Yeah. Very funny. And <sighs> Strife is just... <laughs> Way of X may be making, make, making me care about Onslaught. Nothing will ever make me care about Strife. Yeah, so who's Strife? I don't know if we've really talked about that before. I think we have. Have we? All right. Whatever. He's a clone of Cable. All right, moving yep. on. <laughs> but um, so, was, okay. yeah, we don't need uh, to spend too much time going into it because it's really just yeah, it, it's classic climactic battle. Exactly. And they recruit all the Summerses, Deadpool, Domino, and Esme for this big old battle against Strife, who is in this sort of like backwater Western planet dimension thing where we've been seeing the random old cable scenes throughout the uh, yeah, throughout this limbo. title. It's not exactly Limbo. Well, he, uh, this is all about summoning Belasco and his demons. Well, no, but he he says to magic it's not limbo and she says no but i like it yeah it, it's similar they you know yeah. but anyway and so yeah lots of demons i guess strife is interested in magic now <laughs> whatever Pulled in the never box, it's fine yeah it's never been a part of his character before but i guess he is madeline Pryor's son's <laughs> clone yeah so that they also bring in this uh, this sort of vehicle called the War Wagon, and then the War talk Wagon. About, talk about all of the other you know appearances of of the War Wagon, including 2099's War Wagon Two and Secret War Wagon, and <laughs> just it's a pretty hilarious send up of comics in general. <laughs> I thought it was funny. At, like at least they're having fun with all of their timey wimey bullshit. They also well, yeah, claim the audacity that comes yeah. <laughs> with time travel. <laughs> exactly. They also <laughs> claim that it caused the Tunguska event and the NYC blackout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can I can I read you a little passage from the Marvel Wiki on the Tunguska event? Oh yeah. Okay. The Tunguska <laughs> ra- racing catastrophe of 1918. Yeah, so the Tunguska event is an unexplained, um, you know, giant explosion in Russia in 1918 that just, you know, just absolutely leveled like dozens of square miles of, you know, forest out in the middle of nowhere. Nobody really knows why. So Marvel Wiki has an article on the Tunguska event 
and it, ha- it contains this passage. Many explanations have been given to explain the event, which was caused by the juxtaposition of many unrelated events. One, a meteor fell over the region. Two, the representative of the alien race who is later referred to as the Shambler tried to visit the Earth and crash-landed in Siberia, causing a massive explosion. Three, the event was also related to a group of mystics, the Dry Academy, and their plan to maintain a, quote, world illusion. The Dry Academy is actually based in Tunguska. Four, (laughs) Nikola Tesla was experimenting with ionizing the Earth's atmosphere and realizing that his, quote, scalar technology could produce giant bolts of lightning around the globe. A test run for his new weapon was responsible for the Tunguska event. Five, (laughs) the Death Walker is gathered to perform a ritual using the Talisman of Comertage. They plan to use a spell to end humanity by creating the bear. The in caps, bear in caps. The spell failed, creating an, creating an explosion so powerful that it could be heard as far away as London. Six. When Black Bolt was looking for his son, he used Eldrak to meet with Kang the Conqueror. When he attacked Kang's fortress, he used his powers, but Kang caused the sonic wave to travel back in time to Tunguska. Oh my gosh. Seven. I have that book. (laughs) (laughs) Iron Man of Earth 81191 battled Doctor Doom from Earth 616 aboard the time platform. They arrived in various time points, such as Pennsylvania 1863, Pompeii 79 AD, and 270 million BC, and Tunguska causing a massive explosion. So don't worry guys, we've got we finally got the definitive just add add the war wagon to the list. War wagon is number eight. Erasing catastrophe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. comics are so ridiculous. Oh, that's amazing. And just every single one of those writers was probably like, hey, I've got a great idea. We're finally gonna explain the Tunguska. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So anyway, Strife is trying to do a ritual with 10 mutant babies. He only has five left, so he clones them all. And he's like, that should probably work fine. Right. The nonchalantness (laughs) of Strife. Yeah. So we kind of, you know, get, I, I really like this scene between Cable and Esme. First of all, we get kind of like, some secret history as to what's going on with kid cable on Krakoa in general. And cable says like, can I tell you something? I never understood what you saw in me at first. I thought maybe you were trying to piss off Emma as me says, that's always fun. But the truth is Scott and Jean were worried. You were too good to be true. They gave you passing grades, but they wondered if they missed something because they wanted to Scott asked Emma, if she thought you could be strife, You were watched by a telepath every moment, awake or asleep. We were never supposed to tell you that you were a mission, but I don't care anymore. After our first date, I knew you were just a dumb boy, and I liked that. That's cool. Just like the the way that, you know, that this all ties back, kind of. Like, why would they be dating him? Why, you know? Right. Yeah, because I feel like we had a... A reaction at first like oh, that's a little weird well like, it is weird 
because yeah. the cuckoos are they're clones of Emma, right? Yes. And then you have so Emma, <laughs> Emma and Scott were together for a very long time, and yeah. then you have Emma's clone and Scott's son dating. Yeah, it yeah, it's just odd. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, it's very strange. Um, also, they haven't yeah. had Esme use her telepathy in her diamond form in quite some time. Hmm. I think they realized the mistake that they've made and uh, <laughs> decided to not do that anymore. Sure. <laughs> and then you 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 said it, you know, big regular old climactic battle against strife, yada yada yada. Kind of anticlimactic. Did you have anything more to say on There was nothing surprising about this fight. But yeah. it it felt like a checkbox of two issues. Mm-hmm. Of just yeah. like, okay, we need to resolve this before the Hellfire Gala, I guess. And so <laughs> they're just right. like, all right, let's do this, let's do this, let's address their relationship, right. let's address bringing old Ben Cable back, let's let's close off this exactly uh, strife baby thing, let's close off yeah. the Knight of Galador, let's just get through it. Oh, I guess young yep. Cable should say his goodbyes. Okay, let's do a few pages of that. <laughs> Well, I felt like that was really what the whole, yeah, the whole series was about getting rid of Kid Cable, just like yeah. in in a way that wasn't um, just like, oh, fuck, we made a mistake. Let's, you know, just like, let's give him an actual send off. Let's let's yeah. do a yes and in order to get rid of him. <laughs> you know what would have been kind of funny, though? What? If Kid Cable died and then on Arbor Magna, they went to bring him back and old man cable came out <laughs> like <laughs> that would copy, be funny. like the cerebro copy they had was of old man cable. And they, yeah. and because of the fact that it's the same cable, it never kept on updating because it, oh, had, right. chronologically like it had older cable. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be really cool. Actually. <laughs> That would be wild. But uh, yeah, this is fine. <laughs> yeah. I will say there. So their reason for like having to get rid of Kid Cable at the end of this, right, is that they're like, well, Strife has more bodies in the future and we've got to continue the fright on, fight against him in multiple fronts. And it's just yeah, like, gotta, yeah, it, it's such an example of why clones are perfect for comics and awful for good storytelling. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, this, this isn't actually the end of a story here. And we're right. got, we, we, you know, so, okay, sure. Let's, let's have this thing happen for reasons, but you know, it's fine. And then they returned all the babies. Yeah. But because they only had five babies plus the clone babies. They gave each parent both babies that are genetically yeah. theirs. I don't know if that's well the right move. <laughs> is that what happened? Because the the baby that they gave back to Omerta and Stinger, you know, the extra one, yeah. at the end of it, its eye glows. It's yeah, it's got a strike. Like it's got a strife. strife eye glowy. Yeah. So leading me to believe that the five clones of the current babies that he made, he implanted are. himself in. Yes. So, you know, fine, whatever. But yeah. Just conceptually, if I lost a child and you come yeah. back with, with my two. child and its clone. Yeah, a fucking two for one sale. Yeah, a little weird. 
I don't know. Two for one on babies. (laughs) I don't know if I can argue that that was the right choice to make. (laughs) (laughs) What else do you do? Just kill baby clones? Take them to Krakoa? And raise them there? Raised by somebody. I don't know. I mean, I've never had a frame of reference for (laughs) the clone of a baby before clones of adults and clones of children we've had yeah yeah (laughs) but a baby i don't know Mm. i don't know the last other piece is the last knight of galador requests to be killed by the blade on some uninhabited planet and then well no this is the the, starts like that's a strife's demon dimension place they oh. they repurpose they that and I think so and replant it to uh, be the um, the new the new Galador. He, the last Galadorian died on a world with no name, which is kind of how they. I don't know. I it kind of looks like it. It's kind of how they've referred to. I Strife's mean, both demon places place. are, are yeah. barren and brown. Yeah. So, so there's not a whole lot of fine with me, but yeah, I, but because it was specifically said a planet with no name, as opposed to we repurposed Strife's right hellscape, <laughs> right? Yeah, who knows? Know. Doesn't really matter. It it but, is uh, funny that that Kid Cable borrows the sword and Old Cable returns it, and the gal the, the Space Knight says, "Hmm, my chronometers must be failing me. I didn't realize you were gone so long." <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> And then again, yeah, it transforms them into a bunch of little pods and they like grow into little metal flowers. And yeah. so the Knights of Galador can be reborn down the line. Yep. Okay. Sure. Whatever. And some good goodbye scenes with Scott and Jean and Esme. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it was a good end for a pretty okay mid book. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't like that. I just said mid out loud. I know. I am shocked. Yeah. You are on the internet. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's true. It's shameful. Cool. Yeah, one of the worst. I don't know where to go from here. How do I? How do I? How do I follow up calling a comic book mid? I mean, it's still way better than anything in 1999. So that's also true. Yeah. So next up, rounding out Reign of X, Volume 11, we have two issues of Children of the Atom. Children of the Atom is getting close to the end too. Number six is going to be that we read four and five here. Six is going to be the, the last issue, which is okay with me. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's been getting better as it's going. I feel like this is a series that I would enjoy a lot better reading through in one, in one trade versus it yeah. being kind of like chopped up. I agree. Like I agree. just because it's, it's introducing all these new characters and they are, you know, take some time to like, to get through that initial, like, who is this person? What do they do? What's their story? Okay. Yeah. And besides, and not have like time to really let their voice sink into your head. Yeah. But yeah, this is also not one of my favorite Krakoa era books. It's, yeah. I think it's a uh, novel aspect of the world to explore. Yeah. It's a really cool Um, idea. And I guess considering do you want to give do you want to rather no sorry finish your thought I would rather get this story told from their perspective as opposed to from the like X-Men's perspective mm, that's a really good point yeah 
Do you want to give the, uh, the sort of elevator pitch on what Children of the Atom is about? Yeah. And where, so, we, where we left off? So Children of the Atom are a group of high schoolers who basically hero worship the X-Men and mm-hmm. who they are, what they stand for. These are a group of teenagers that are minorities or your typical like nerdy shut-in type. And they basically buy tech off of the black market, which is yeah. the worst <laughs> decision. But they, <laughs> they buy tech, <laughs> they buy tech to basically simulate mutant powers. And then yep. they make some costumes to go with it. They come up with names that are inspired by popular X-Men. And they go out and do patrols. And they've ended up over the first three issues of this book, they already have come across the rogues gallery of like Z-list supervillains. And because of their hero worship and that they like truly like borderline delusionally believe that they are mutants, they try to cross the Krakoa gates to go to Krakoa. Right. Um, and they have failed multiple times and yeah, they just because of this mutant worship they have being like rejected by the Krakoa gates has like it keeps on bringing some strife to the group I guess yeah like mm-hmm. it, it it hits at their confidence every time they don't get through the gate which is yep. odd but that's basically what you have yeah yeah and they've they've kind of been each issue has kind of gone deeper into the point of view from one of their different characters and issue four here kind of follows the point of view of Benny, AKA wait, what is his name again? It was 99. Oh, he's, crawler. No, no, that's, that's JJ. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. His, yeah, his yeah, little, his little brother. Uh, yeah. Benny, the big brother is yeah. cherub cherub. That's right. Wait, he's cherub. I thought, no, he's Marvel guy. Marvel cherub, <laughs> cherub is is uh is the other guy. So yeah, they go yeah, right, to bad. train with their tech to a place in Brooklyn called Calvert Vo Cove, a Calvert Do you Vox. Know this place? Oh, I've totally been there. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and we were there for the exact same reason that they. I mean, not the same reason, but the same pathway. We Goog- Rachel Googled abandoned places in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's down by Gravesend it, it's uh it is a cool slightly spooky kind of place it was a good time and so yeah they they have yet another scheme to try and get through their Krokoan gate using a shirt stolen from this guy they knew at school who was healed with with a uh, mutant DNA and they think maybe it will sniff out the, you know, mutant DNA left over on his shirt and let mm-hmm. them in. And Basically before they did with uh, Domino. Yes. Except that was her skin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and before they can really give it a try, they're attacked by agents. Everybody, but JJ is captured. And then the next issue he get he gets sort of the point of view treatment. And he goes off, finds the real X-Men. They come to the rescue. 
Yeah, they come to the rescue, including Maggot. Yeah, Maggot's been, he's appeared several times in this series. Yeah. He was, yeah, good for him. He's (laughs) appeared more in this series than he did in the, you know, basically the entire time before he was killed off the first time. Well, do you have. Unfortunately, that's pretty much it. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm, I'm really, sifting through it, and seeing if there's the, any. I like, mean, it's a character-driven young adult story, right? So it's all about them and their teen teenage trials and tribulations, and the the growing family and and sense of belonging between Benny and JJ, et cetera, et cetera. But really, the the big drama is that one of the members, one of the children of Adam, Carmen, aka Gimmick, is actually herself a mutant. And mm-hmm. gets an invite from Storm directly to the Hellfire Gala. Yeah. Which, yeah, which is very interesting. This is <laughs> the <laughs> least consistent characterization I've seen of Storm. Just like the I way think, she speaks. I think everybody in this was really, you know, your your whole thing for like the characters when they're brought into another title are brought in to fulfill the purposes of that title and not a broader consistency as absolutely on display here. Like they are untouchable, you know, role models and kind of like way out, you know, they, they are mentor characters in a young adult novel. First and foremost, they are not right. (laughs) (laughs) They're established characters. Yeah. So yeah, and so that the last page is Storm inviting Carmen and basically outing her to the rest of the team. And knowing that the next issue is the last issue, I assume it's going to be from Carmen's perspective attending the gala. I assume so too. And goddamn, I'm excited for the Hellfire Gala. Me too. Okay, so that's that's it for Rain Volume 11. It is yeah. It's making me it, this is kind of, you know, a transitory volume. It was a short read, but only making me more hyped to finish to finish Rain off with the gala and yeah. move along to Trials of X sometime right. in the next millennium. Because <laughs> we've got to figure out also where... So I guess Trial of Magneto is within Trials of X, but then Inferno is also a thing. But I think that's after Hellfire. Yeah, Inferno is uh, is definitely after Hellfire. I think it it is between Trials of X and Destiny of X. Like it and what's it and uh, X Live slash X Deaths of Wolverine kind of standalone. Oh, yeah, also that. Yeah. 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 We'll figure it out. Yes. Should we talk about each of our individual single books that we read? Yeah. You want to go first? Sure. So I read Iron Man, Books of Korvac 3, Cosmic Iron Man. Okay. Which is kind of funny because, so, okay, well, (laughs) I'll say two things. One, Iron Man's been to space before, so this isn't space Iron Man. (laughs) Okay. But he, he was on the Guardians of the Galaxy for a little bit. But also knowing that, or remembering that in book one and two, basically he's racing Korvac to Ta too, because Korvac in his new reborn android body 
has this like god complex and he's going to get the power cosmic and rewrite the universe okay we're not a fan so okay uh tony puts together a team made up of hellcat war machine frogman scarlet (laughs) spider misty knight gargoyle that's right. Uh, this is the this is the like team of expendables, basically. Yeah. Gargoyle and this new guy that they've introduced. And I always forget his name, but he's a mechanic and he's deaf. And so he signs yeah. and he can read lips. Which okay. makes it hard for him to communicate with War Machine, but <laughs> whatever. Sure. <laughs> and then last volume. Tony's armor, Tony's body is just messed up. And okay. he's pumping himself full of morphine to like fight through the pain. He Korvac, okay. he met with Korvac Cor- telepathically thanks to Patsy because she has telepathy powers, which I never knew about. I'm gonna be real honest <laughs> until this week. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> until this series, I should say. Sure. Um, and Korvac showed Tony. His new universe, Tony denied it. So Korvac teleported him off to some unknown planet, planet full of refugees that is being led by Stiltman. <laughs> and this other guy, Avro X, is there, who is another. Basically, he we haven't seen him since like Armor Wars, wow. um, a super classic Iron Man storyline from like the eighties when basically. Iron Man became popular, and so everyone wanted to make an armor, an Iron Man armor. Uh, and this guy is Canadian, and they okay. met at some thing back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him. And Avro and Iron Man out Stilt Man as being secretly bad for the place, and so they have their fight there. And then at the end, the Living Tribunal shows up and is like, Iron Man, you're needed. You're the only one who can stop Korvac. You need to go and deal with this. And so they sure. t- so Living Tribunal teleports Tony and Avro X to Ta Two, which is Galactus's world ship. And right. that's when the second book ended. Right, 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 right. Uh, yeah. So going in here, you have Tony and Avro going through the world ship. Defenses show up, they fight it, blah, blah, blah. It's your typical invasion of a ship. They get past the defenses, and then Korvac in his ship gets there. Korvac has his own team of, like, worshiper followers consisting Hmm. of Blizzard, who is an inhuman, by the way. Interesting. Did not know that. Yeah. So So Blizzard's ice powers are not his inhuman power. His inhuman power is technopathy. Oh, uh, so yeah. it, his technopathy allows him to basically control his tech ice generation. Well, the ice stuff are superpowers. So he didn't know oh. he oh, was oh, an oh. inhuman until infinity. Ah, uh, okay. The T cloud went around. Sure. But I don't think they didn't use that here, which okay. I think they would because he's going against Iron Man. Right. Whatever. Anyway, (laughs) Blizzard is a follower. The controller is a follower. Unicorn is a follower. 
And then yeah. uh, you may or may not remember a side, a little detour that they took to go and get Jim Hammond, the original Human Torch. Right. Because they are both Adam projects. And Korvac tried to convince Human Torch, Jim Hammond, that this is a good idea. Jim says no. He says, okay, well, and then uh, controller puts a control disc on him. So Jim is officially a follower. Anyway, okay. they show up and then Korvac and Iron Man fight. Iron Man gets overpowered by the full onslaught of the entire of all the followers. Right as they're about to give him the final final blow, the other team gets there. Tony's team finally gets there. They okay. show up, even the odds. Battle Royale ensues. The Korvac is like, listen, this isn't what we're here for. Uh, we're mm-hmm. here to go get the power cosmic, so let's go. So they go off. The good guys regroup. They split off into two teams, one to go stop Korvac and one to get to the main control place i don't know it i don't know why they want to control tattoo it didn't make sure. a lot of sense anyway tis a silly place um, skirmishes here and there yada 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 uh, the second issue ends with seemingly stopping korvac patsy is able to get rid of the control disc on jim okay. and misty tony and jim are able to basically wreck korvac also i'm going to point out this is an eight issue book i don't know what they're gonna do for the next (laughs) six issues if they're stopping korvac in the second issue (laughs) yeah yeah no Um, kidding yeah they so they stop him and then korvac korvac's like android body gets a little more power turns back on and jumps through the door that is the thing that that imbues the power cosmic oh all right tony's like no so he goes (laughs) in too (laughs) so the issue ends with korvac and tony going through this door to get imbued with power cosmic and the next issue starts with actually conceptually i really like this okay but this is basically we get to see Tony's thought process, thought process hmm. as he starts to receive the power cosmic. Like what is oh. what happens to a person yeah. while they are being changed by the power cosmic. Cool. So that was very really cool. cool. And so yeah. you just have this internal in internal monologue as he's feeling these changes, what he's perceiving. And oh, I like that. Yeah. And so it's a, basically it starts with him in a bed in space. And then <laughs> he like actual projects out of his body, finds mirror, sees that the mirror isn't actually a mirror. It's like matrix mirror. Like it's like liquid and he pokes it and then he goes through uh-huh. it, goes to the mirror, goes to a mansion. He sees that it's, it's old. It's the old mansion from when he was a child and he sees a child sitting alone and uh, must've been mm. one of the times that his parents left him there. And then he also sees his young adult self. And he's like, Oh, this must be from right after my parents got assassinated. And he's kind of having this like, self-realization of like he's like oh wow so yeah so at that point nothing changed but everything did 
I must have sat there for hours. No one saw me. No one ever saw me. Even then, I knew that if I wanted to be seen, I had to do something different, something drastic, something that everyone would notice. Then even if they didn't want to, they would see me. And as he's having this little inner, internal monologue, he Damn, in his totally. Iron Man suit is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And he busts out of the mansion and he's standing above New York. And then he's like taller than the Chrysler building. And he has this internal monologue of just, now you see me, don't you? This is more like it. And yeah. And then all of a sudden he's small again and he's on top of a uh, kitchen table and he sees Cap and Cap's holding a telephone. He's like, it's for you. And he picks it up and it's like, he says, hello, Tony, it's your father. How many times have I told you to change the world? Well, I haven't <laughs> done it yet. Dad, why are you so damn wrong all the time? Interesting. And yeah. And so he walks away from the phone while still standing on the table and says, what am I supposed to do? What do you want from me? And then he says, okay, what's this now? He sees two giant Iron Man gauntlets, like posing like they're like walking on a table. Yeah. Like two fingers down. And he says, yeah, yeah. oh, I get it. I'm always in my own way. Clever. And it and the fingers kick him and he falls on top of a giant pile of old Iron Man armors. And he says, oh, what a pile of junk. And then he sees Korvac. And he sees, it's a vision of Korvac because it's sure. like figuring it out. And it's Korvac saying, he sees Iron Man. He's like, you out from my universe at once, flee. And he's internal monologuing against his Korvac. Korvac accessed the power cosmic too, but that's not actually him. That's what I'm afraid he is. Okay, some of this isn't lost on me. And so they have a little fight. He banishes him away. It says the father issues, the typical childhood traumas, the phallic imagery, Korvac, as some <laughs> scary alpha Lothario idiot. Is this really all that's percolating in my subconscious? Honestly, it's kind of disappointing. I hate it. <laughs> I hate myself. I hate that after all this time, this is still the kind of basic crap that's motivating me inside. I just wow. access the power cosmic and I hate myself. I tried wow. to strip it all away. I just wanted to be a guy who helps people, a hero and a friend, like Patsy said. But look at me. Same old story. The pattern never changes. That ends today. Interesting. Yeah. And he says, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I don't think it needs to come to that, but this is my time. I have so many ideas. I could fix everything starting with myself. And that's just the beginning. I promise you it would all be so beautiful. I've got to get back. This is exciting. I can't wait to begin. The cosmic transformation process must be nearly complete. I can feel it. When I wake up, it'll be a new day, a brand new day. I'll make sure to reappear. Yeah, how'd that storyline work out for Spider-Man though, huh? Right? <laughs> with uh, uh, Reconstitute or whatever with the, with the others and tell them I'm fine. I'm sure they're worried about me. But when they see me, they, they won't be worried anymore because I'll be me, their friend, Tony Stark, but also just a little different, a little shinier and new. And I'll smile, look at them in the eye and just say, good morning. Mm. Um, you also get... While he's saying, I have so many ideas, I could fix everything. This amazing, almost splash page. Yeah. Tony under like half of an Iron Man mask with his skin. And then under that, the muscle under that, the bone. But then where his head is, all kinds of scientific calculations. Like it just looks really cool. That is cool. That's a cool panel. Yeah. And then 
We get back to reality as we know it. We see Korvac getting his cosmic powers. He's like, at last I've returned. I will admit the 11th hour I have my doubts, blah, 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 blah. The work is vast even for me, but the healing can begin almost immediately. My role as savior begins now. And then he says, hmm. you see off panel voice about that. He says, you, yes, me. Good morning. And we get cosmic Iron Man. And oh, he shit. basically looks like Silver Surfer Iron Man. Yeah. Um, all silver, red lights instead of blue, cosmic energy spilling out of his eyes. And he has yep. two, like shoulder cannons. Just Yeah. <laughs> so that was the third issue. And it was basically, it was literally just a Tony introspective of yeah, oh my what God. can he do with the power cosmic? And we don't get any answers, but he has them. <laughs> um, and then the next issue is a basically memoir of an alien. I think his name is Draconius. Doesn't really matter, but his planet was destroyed. And he's writing a memoir, basically talking about what happened. And it was destroyed by Korvac and the Iron God. And you get a flashback and you see basically Cosmic Iron Man and Cosmic Korvac at the scale of multiple planets fighting in the middle of this solar system. Cool. And they fight, they fight, they fight. And then Korvac grabs a planet and throws it and destroys it um, Good Lord. On, Iron, on Iron Man. And while that was happening, this guy got to a pod and flew off planet while his planet is destroyed behind him. Hmm. And Iron Man says, do you even feel what you just did? How many you just killed? And Korvac says, unnecessary sacrifice to stop your interference. And he says, how many more are necessary? How many will you, how many more will you kill? And Korvac just says, how long until you get out of my way? If you stand aside now, I promise to make it only one more. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then they continue to fight. And what's his face? Iron Man rips a hole in reality. And he's like, and takes Korvac through with him. And the little guy in the pod gets dragged with them. And Tony's just like, this is the only place that you deserve to be the master of. And this is a dead universe. And Corvax is like, uh, what is this place? He says, I've never enjoyed the power cosmic before. Never understood it. Now my entire being is a vessel for it. Mechanical suits were just the beginning, I guess. Now I am the power and the power is me. My new link to the cosmos shows me a multitude of realities, and this one matched the stench of death that you're covered in. Nothing lives here, not one molecule. And Korvac, you know, just asks, what, what happened? What made this way? And he says, I can hear the story of, the uni- of this universe if I listen to its whispers and gasps. Can't you, Korvac? This entire existence was murdered by yet another egomaniac, a colleague of mine, it seems. Victor, what did you do? Oh, wow. 
So back in the second volume of Doctor Doom, when, uh-huh. when Victor went to that other universe and there was oh. the, and galactic peace was achieved. And huh? that, and it was all because of that doom and because that doom forgave Reed Richards and he just needed to oh. do that. And he's like, um, F no. And he took the ultimate oh. nullifier and erased the entire universe and then went back to, right. to 616. This is that universe. <laughs> oh man. Cool. Right. And so Tony's just like, you stay here. This is what you get to be a, a uh-huh. master of. I'm out. And then in this whole like fight cosmic fight tony comes across the dead earth and he sees it and he's like gone like everything else here snuffed out by hate and bad ideas it could happen to my earth too it's always on the brink always threatened but now now i'm more than a man in a mechanical suit it will be more so much more i will help it be so much more i will help my entire universe everything i will make it all so much more um, wow and really drinking his own kool-aid here yeah and he says i'm sorry corvac it's my turn now and then as they're like (laughs) fighting who shows up but multiple cosmic entities of the universe you are just loving this this is such a will book right here oh my christmas the thing is i don't even know all of them Chaos and order are right here. Living yep. tribunal, death shows up. Yep. The in betweener shows up. This guy over here is oblivion. I I uh-huh. I think this is eternity. Um, yeah, I, I don't know who this girl is. I don't know who this person is, and I'm pretty sure this is the gold one. I don't remember her <laughs> name. <laughs> oh well my done. gosh! But they all show up, and they're just like, "This battle is done." First of all, y'all need mm-hmm. to stop. Korvac, mm-hmm. you have disturbed the universal balance. You will come with us. Wow. And Tony's like, I thought he'd be safest here, contained in this graveyard of a prison. And Eternity is like, he is safe nowhere. That is not, <laughs> he's safe nowhere that is not under our immediate watchful eye. Order says, Dang. but what of him? What of Iron Man? Chaos says, an Iron Man imbued with the cosmos itself. The blonde lady says, give him trust. The other one that I don't know says, give him pain. Death says, give him his ultimate end. <laughs> <laughs> and Tony just straight up says, I don't want to fight any of you, but I will if I have to. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then Oblivion says, uh, it matters not what we give or do not give him the path has been set so says oblivion so in between her says iron man what you do next with your power will determine your fate and perhaps the fate of existence tribunal says presently it is clouded but the ultimate outcome may be satisfactory to us in between her says go live your destiny (laughs) we will be watching always and Tony's like, hear that, Korvac? My new special project just got the green light. Sorry, yours has been canceled. I'm out. <laughs> and, and Korvac just says, all right, I have a new project. You. You are the only thing I care about now. Jeez. So, rough. Um, <laughs> and then that issue ends with the guy finishing his memoir because he gets brought back, brought back narrowly to 616, and then he dies in the bar. Anyway. So, so I don't need to go over every detail of the rest of this book, but basically what happens is <laughs> Iron Man 
comes back to earth and he's like, man, well, okay. Sorry. Everyone gets back to earth <laughs> now. And okay. so as soon as they got back, that's when Scarlet spider goes and does beyond. Um, okay. Sure. And as far as that. And then Patsy in the first book, she got that like gnarly scar from getting hit by electricity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Reed apparently patched her up. And so now she doesn't have a scar anymore. Sure. Sure. Because you know, you can't, change a non-title character and have it no of course not. anywhere outside of nope. the damn no. book that you did it come on <sighs> doesn't matter <laughs> anyway so they're all sitting including jim are back at the table at a table and they're just like where's tony <laughs> <laughs> what's going on i don't know and then all of a sudden giant tony so uh <laughs> goes up above new york and they're like found him <laughs> um, and uh, meanwhile so everyone's worried because tony with cosmic power is probably not a good thing and so patsy gave the fantastic four and the avengers a heads up of just like hey this is what happened to tony i don't know where he is but if he comes back <laughs> heads up so as soon as he gets back the avengers and fantastic four show right the fuck up including young child star brand and phoenix echo okay. as far as mentally yeah, placing timelines yeah 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 <laughs> and they're like what's going on here and tony's like guys i got this listen <laughs> i know i've messed up before and but like i've got i've got the i'm basically a god and we've dealt with gods before right <laughs> and um <laughs> <laughs> he's like look, what a Tony look at, thing to say right <laughs> look at look at Thor it's the same vibe and he's like it's not <laughs> first of all and Amazing. he's like I mean you're right the power cosmic is a bit different I can do pretty much anything and Steve is just like so what are you going to do and he's like okay <laughs> well Korvac was <laughs> right in wanting harmony but wrong about how to get there he believed that he alone knew best he put himself and his opinions above others sound familiar. See, didn't expect any introspection to survive the transmogrification, did you? <laughs> okay, we're listening. So Korvac was wrong to hoard his intellect, wrong to want to take away free will from everyone else. I had the Infinity Gems once, but I wasn't going to force anything with them. I won't now either. <laughs> War Machine says, uh-oh. <laughs> he says, but then... How does one make something harmonious while preserving the individual? Well, I looked at my own gifts. I'm talking the things I had before these new powers. I thought of solutions and ideas I've had in the past that have gone awry and I realized something. They didn't work because they were trapped in here. Uh, but now, but now <laughs> what's in here doesn't have to be trapped inside. It can be shared as a gift. And oh, thing is like oh. your head. It's like my mind, Benny boy. Steve says, Tony, can you just hold on for a second? Wait, Steve, let me finish. I'm worried we might. He is so high right now. He's yeah. just done like, <laughs> like a mountain of cocaine. And he's uh-huh. like, I can, yep. <laughs> I can share these brilliant ideas with everybody. Right. And Steve's like, I'm worried we might be getting out ahead of our skis here. Steve, let me just wrap this up. All I'm saying is, and then he loses his cool. And he's like, and he gets big, and then he gets his cosmic speech bubble back. And he says, Steve, can mm-hmm. I just finish, please? And then everyone's <laughs> like, this is going to be a problem. <laughs> and then 
So, so Tony says, my gift is now in all of you. And they're like, what, what gift? My intellect, Carol, my level of aptitude. It's yours. Congratulations. You're now all Stark level geniuses. Wait a second. What, what do you speak of Stark? Tony, whatever you're doing, stop now. It's too late. It's done. You're all now <laughs> as brilliant as I am. And so is every living person in the city. I figured we'd start with a small sample size and see how it goes. I don't want to get too far out ahead of my skis. Right, Steve? And then, <laughs> so Sue is like, wait, we're all, I read. Do you feel different? And Reed says, I actually think I just became dumber. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so so this is Cosmic Tony's approach is make sure. everyone a, a one cosmic cocaine IQ. Tony's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then you, you get different scenes here and there of people realizing their intelligence. And it's it's all like random civilians, and it seems like it's not the worst idea. And then yeah. Big Wheel, who is very much a ZZ list. <laughs> uh villain was in a coma from deadpool and the mercs for money number four sure. which i have and i read that god years ago <laughs> when he gets his intellect he gets this insane idea and that's what takes him out of the coma and so okay. he races to his big wheel and starts zapping all of the cars on the street and Hellcat and Iron Man are trying, are like, they're like, well, this isn't good. It's Big Wheel. So they go to stop him. Right before that, Patsy and Tony are arguing about basically in, intellect raping everyone in the, yeah. in the city. Yeah. <laughs> they put that on pause to go and deal with this. And then Patsy gets shot by big wheels she almost falls she almost she almost dies and then tony just stops both of them with his giant cosmic self patsy's like wait i can see his thoughts i know what he's trying to do <laughs> you're ordering the vehicles into a supercomputed algorithm one one uh, one your wheel cpu is capable of processing he says yes exactly you saw how to solve traffic jams once and for all with quantum physics. Yep. Amazing. Right. <laughs> and Tony's like, oh, that's God. actually a really good idea. It's like, thanks. I was so excited that I woke up from a coma and I had to try it out right away. <laughs> but you didn't think to ask permission or anything. Whose intellect does that remind you of? <laughs> hey, mm-hmm. Hey, this guy just solved traffic congestion. That's truly groundbreaking. <laughs> anyway. So that goes down. And then, Patsy is like, the world doesn't instantly become a better place just because we all think like you do. And Tony's like, even with the incredible capacities of my mind, you whimper with small-minded doubt. I will fix this entire world. Just watch me. Mm. And Patsy says, hmm, you know who you remind me of right now? Korvac. And she walks away. Hours later, she has a meeting with Dr. Doom. And she's like, listen, Tony needs to be brought down off of his horse and I don't want to hurt him. We just need to undo this ridiculousness that he's done. And he's like, uh-huh. yeah, I could do that. Yeah. And this then, sounds like doom. Something doom will be very much into. <laughs> we spend the next issue seeing different news reports of the effects of people having this genius level intellect. 
34 separate diseases, four of which are terminal, got con- got cured by physicians at Manhattan City Hospital. <laughs> 11 other illnesses have been eradicated by three taxi drivers, one short order cook and a septic plumber. Um, Excellent. The city's landfills began being converted today into a newly discovered renewable fuel source dubbed Refusium by its inventor, 57-year-old nice. longshoreman Greg Neighbors. Three more new fuel patents have been filed in Queens, the Bronx, and Long Island. Every single school student tested out of school and decided to stop <laughs> going to school. <laughs> Meanwhile, the stock market has been massively destabilized by an influx of traders manipulating data in ways never before comprehended by banks and brokerage (laughs) houses. Um, This Uh has sparked a major international sell-off and could risk a steep recession in the U.S. Compounding economic turmoil is is the robberies at five separate flagship bank branches in the city, including the Federal Reserve Gold Vault, all by what authorities are calling exceptionally brilliant and gifted thieves. It's also been reported that 14 different New Yorkers have suddenly tried to take over the world in the last 70, 72 hours. <laughs> <laughs> Their reasons and motivations vary. <laughs> um, <laughs> Stark, commonly referred to now as the Iron God, has built a special holding area for those using their new intellectual prowess to violate laws, as well as his own determined code of morals and ethics. This comes as much of New York's law enforcement has recently fallen to the Iron God and other heroes since nearly the entirety of the NYPD has banded together to form their own private police program called Blue Moon. Oh, God. But after several successful escapes, the Iron God rescued or reduced the IQ of every prisoner inside his holding area to 80, the lowest end of the range classified as dull normal on the 1958 Wexler adult intelligence scale. No word yet on what due process will look like for those being held within. Yeah. Yeah. So it's but sucks. frankly, yeah. but frankly, I don't care about any of this. I'm quitting this job because it's beneath me. You see, I've invented a method of space-time teleportation, and I've just founded an intergalactic shipping corporation that's already being valued in the trillions. I'm Robin Stroud for News of the Hour. Good night. And she teleports away. <laughs> so <laughs> um <laughs> Anyway, so Patsy brings Dr. Doom into the team and they're like, wait, are you serious, Dr. Doom? And she's like, yeah. And then uh, Silver Surfer shows up and he's like, hey, Hellcat, I felt your, your, you have summoned me using the taut vectors of your mind. I heard the faint (laughs) echoes of your thoughts searching for my assistance whilst sailing past the molten stars of Serenity. Of Ceranimus three, what need have you of the Silver Surface powers? I, I feel like this is the first book that has been like, oh yeah, Patsy has psychic powers since she was like uh-huh. introduced in the like nineteen forties. Sure, yeah, <laughs> but fine, whatever. <laughs> um, Tony's getting yelled at by a bunch of lawmakers. And they're like, don't you see how this has gotten way out of hand? The mayor's office is flooded with calls. The amount of lawsuits is astonishing. Leaders in Washington are wondering if they can have a little bit of brain juice thrown their way, including the president. And Tony gets tired of the naysayers. And so he snaps his fingers and turns everyone into yes men. And by everyone, I mean the entire city. Damn. And while he's doing that, Doom shows that he has this basically like neurobomb actually it's called a concussive cosmic astringent that's going to wipe all of the cosmic power out of 
New York, basically, uh, with the help of uh, Silver Surfer to figure it out. And then as soon as they reveal that, Tony shows up to go and see his friends and they all put on a, uh, a yes man face. And Tony's like, I know I'm making you say that, but like, do you think I'm doing the right thing? And Patsy's like, yeah, <laughs> of course. And he's like, it really means a lot to hear you say that. And she's like, oh, yeah. And he's like, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I I, I want to do the right thing and make all of existence better and yada, yada, yada. And it's just nice to have someone say that I'm doing the right thing. And then <laughs> she can no longer hold her composure and she loses, loses, it, loses it on him. And then he's like, oh, my God, you lied to me. And then he gets pissed. And Doom and Silver Surfer come in and then they have a fight and Tony proceeds to kill Doom and then melt Silver Surfer into a puddle. And then he burns Frogman alive and then he turns Gargoyle into dust and then he snuffs out Jim Hammond and then he shoots the shoulder gun off of War Machine. And then the, what's his face? The, the deaf guy tries to get involved and then he chokes him out. And then, wow. so now it's just down to Tony and, and uh, Rhodey. They have yeah. a conversation with Rhodey just being like, you're going too far. This is ridiculous. And Tony's like, I know what they say behind my back, Rhodey, what they've always said for years, that you wear it better than I do, that it should be you in the red and gold, not me. And Rhodey's like, I've got a suit of armor and you used to be fine with the one you had. You didn't need more. Now it seems like you can't get enough. It's like, I became this to stop Korvac. It was the only way. Look around you, Tony. I don't see Korvac anywhere. In fact, when it comes to big, scary cosmic beings hellbent on conquest, I only see you. (laughs) You think this is about conquest? I think this is about being right. That's always mattered to you too much. And the truth is you could rid yourself of this power at any time, but you haven't yet. You won't. And that's not right. That's wrong. And uh, it's it's not easy, Rhodey. With this, this, I finally have a chance to do something, make a difference. That's how you felt when you built your first suit, man. And you made a difference, but uh, and you made a difference. But even before that, you had the money, the sway. You've always had what you needed, and it's always been more than enough. So what the hell are you so afraid of? He says, "I'm not afraid." He says, "Wake up, Tony." And then Tony loses his cool, and he punches his head backwards, snaps his neck. Holy crap! He says, "Rody." And then now it's just down to Patsy and Tony. And Patsy's like, I guess it's my turn, huh? At least I'll go out like a hero. And then Tony finally stops. He removes his helmet and he's crying and he like kneels down. And then the, and then so Patsy's like, okay, we need to talk. And so they go into their psychic space and they base, they talk and they have a heart to heart basically about living under the shadow of the idea of what your parents created about you because hmm. like patsy's mom uh made all of their money writing these stories about her about this oh right. version of patsy but she never actually i didn't looked. know that that i didn't know that that was so close in the comics to the adaptation in jessica jones that's cool yeah yeah and, and like Hetty is a real person that was mm-hmm. supposed to be her best friend, but she became the uh, antagonist in the book. And, Interesting. And yeah, it was it was a whole thing. But her mom wrote all these comics about her. And so 
she was always drawing the ideal Patsy and never looked at her own daughter in real life. Cool. Um, That's a cool touch. Yeah. And so they both grew up with this desire to be something, be something more. And then Tony has this like heart to heart talking about uh, the story of Jekyll and Hyde and Mm -hmm. how Jekyll was a good man but he was a flawed man and he kept on trying to do better. And as he's telling the like quote unquote true story of Jekyll and Hyde, which he never actually refers to Hyde. It's just the failing side of Jekyll. Mm. It's different visions of Tony throughout the years. Um, okay. Create, creating the Iron Man armor, creating the new armors and then the armor wars. And then the civil war where Cap died, uh, his fight with alcoholism, so on and so forth, right. and then to now. And he says, uh, it just get it just keeps getting worse. Rinse and repeat. I'm stuck. And Patsy says, bring them back. And he's like, I could, he says, I could, I killed them. I could bring them back. I could wipe their memory so they wouldn't even remember this. Like mm-hmm. I have the power to do these things. And Patsy right. says, bring them back, but don't wipe their minds. Uh, yeah. Let them remember what you did. That way, you won't forget it either. And mm-hmm. says, "Okay." So brings everyone back. Thank goodness. <laughs> um, <laughs> apologize to everyone. Goes to Rody. Says, "I'm sorry, Rody. I'm so sorry." Looks at Doom. He says, "I'm anyway. No hard feelings." And then, um, <laughs> <laughs> and then his last act is he undoes all of the genius level intellect stuff across the city, and then right. he relinquishes his power cosmic mm-hmm. goes on a walk in the park and he starts getting hit with withdrawals from his addiction to morphine and he starts to pass out as he's passing out Korvac gets back <laughs> oh his boy power cosmic oh my um, god and Corvac's like haha i'm back you couldn't fucking keep me away the living tribunal and the in-betweener couldn't keep me away i'm here i'm here to destroy you and tony's like passed out on the ground he's like (laughs) oh hey (laughs) 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 what's up (laughs) they have like this kind of like heart to heart or whatever and and corvette's like what the hell is happening to you he's like oh right (laughs) i uh (laughs) it's i'll probably die before you kill me it's this my body's addicted to morphine sorry buddy but he also says corvette can I ask you something? When was the last time you were a human being? I mean, an honest to God person, yeah. a cyborg or an Android or cosmically powered, whatever. And basically that thought process is how he like gets in here. And so mm-hmm. he says, uh, right as Corvax about to kill him, he says, okay, just know that this is how you had to beat me. <laughs> he says, <"Well>, he's <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> This has kind of been your whole thing since the beginning, right? You were smart, but you always needed more. A security blanket, protective alien masters, android body, the world's electricity, cosmic power. You always had to have an ace, an advantage. How long have you been scared to lose? Since the beginning, I'm betting, since when you just, since when just being yourself, just some guy meant a painful and ultimately ignominious, I hate these words, death. Um, (laughs) Look, I get it. Most of the time I wear a bunch of metal just to feel okay. But anyway, so he's just like, he was like, what I'm saying, Michael, is stop hiding. Be a fucking man for once in your life. Just try it. Or are you too scared? 
And Korvac's mm. like, all right. And so he turns himself into a regular man and relinquishes huh. the power cosmic. And <laughs> uh, wow. And then didn't, yeah. Didn't expect that right? to work. Yep. And then beats Tony. Tony starts to pass out. And that's when he says, I'm probably going to die before uh, you kill me anyway. And then Korvac mm-hmm. pauses, looks up at the sky, at the cosmos, and he has like a change of heart. And he picks up Tony, takes him to a hospital. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Tony's like, I have no idea why he did that. I don't think I ever will. But I've been across the universe to uh, enough times to know one thing. The cosmos feels every moment, absorbs every act, resonates with every life, every death, whether God or man. And while he's doing that, Korvac is going up to the top of a building and he walks off, walks off the, oh. uh, the ceiling. Oh, J- or he, 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 he commits suicide, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah. that's a dark and unexpected ending. Uh, well, what'd you think? It was interesting. So it was... This book, I think, wrapped it up for me. Um, yeah, it seems like a pretty, pretty clear ending to a run there. Well, that's the thing is, there's a book of Korvac four, so I don't know what the oh. book is going to be. But that's actually um, kind of interesting. Yeah. So the first two books were really all over the place, but this one was. So I'm yeah. in looking back, I'm realizing that this is very much an introspective character study for Iron Man. Oh, sorry. Definitely. For Tony. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. All the other Iron Man books have been Tony's relationship with Iron Man. And mm. what can Iron Man be? What can, what can Stark Enterprises right. be? It's always, it's right. been something on the outside. It's been something external. Yep. This mm-hmm. book was chock full of so many introspective monologues. Cool. That yeah it now stands out to me <laughs> it didn't nice. before but i'm i'm i like yeah. it now <laughs> when you over cool it it seems just like in terms of tone and scope very different from most comics which is interesting mm-hmm. i will say the epilogue of one week later is patsy taking tony and dropping him off at a rehab center oh specifically sagahen shore rehab center i don't know if that's doesn't mean yeah um and in Probably there it. is a handwritten letter that came this morning that says, Hey, Tony, just thinking of you, you can do this. Your friend, Frogman. Huh. Well, that's uh, very nice to say to somebody who burned you alive. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was interesting. So reading it and seeing Tony do his thing. I keep on yeah. coming back to my complaint about Marvel comics of that. They can't change the world. Right. Yep. And that is the single most limiting factor that Marvel comics has to deal with. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so I was scared at how bad this would fall apart. <laughs> uh huh. And yeah, it was very interesting. One of these days I want to tell you about, cause this I've spent a lot of time on this already, but Superior Iron Man was yeah uh, was a storyline right after Axis when everyone's morals got flipped, uh-huh. um, and he at the end of Axis he had left and so he didn't get unflipped. Oh, uh, and so okay. he went to San Francisco and just became a real a superficial douche. And it, it's it was really interesting. Sounds um, pretty San Francisco. <laughs> so the last time we've seen 
a Tony embrace the power that he has, in my opinion, was yeah. Superior Iron Man, where he didn't care about the consequences. Uh, right. And this was kind of like that as well. And that was just, yeah, giving Iron Man the power cosmic in an Iron Man book and not in an Avengers book, I think. Totally. Is, yeah. Is big difference. Where the threats are. Or I, get, I mean, like, you know, Korvac is uh, as high a level threat as there can be. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, but still, like, yeah, that's that is interesting to like you were saying with the having somebody sort of be able to narrate the experience of receiving power cosmic mm-hmm. a lot of interesting things going on in that book it i i agree like when you talked about the first couple books of korvac volumes i was like yeah all right but yeah. uh it's it it is doing interesting and different things it's it's growing on me cool yeah, it was uh, it was it was a fun read. I was happily surprised. Should we move along to uh, to my book? Yeah, give me your book. Would you read? I read an arc on Deadpool. This is the last arc by Joe Kelly on Deadpool. So last arc of the original writer of Deadpool's first ongoing series. So. Okay. It's interesting to me, like this kind of caps off this sort of, you know, introductory statement on who Deadpool is. And I mean, you know, he'd been a character for a few years previously, but just within the context of of having a solo Deadpool book, what what that looks like, what the tone is, what the sort of, you know, elevator pitch for the character is, the the true north concept, whatever. So, yeah, this is kind of the conclusion of that. And it's it's interesting. So in the last arc on Deadpool, right, he was done with the whole Messiah save the world arc. His wife Mercedes turned up alive, but as a zombie. And there was a whole arc where these other zombies were attacking because they sensed that she was undead. And he didn't trust it, but is now coming around to the fact that she really is Mercedes, but she doesn't remember anything since before she died. And so prompted by Monty, Deadpool kind of like, you know, recaps the whole thing for her and for the reader. You know, they were former teachers who decided to run away from teaching and buy a farm plot in Maine, live off the land together, have this sort of idyllic happily ever after one day, a mercenary, uh, T- and he says, you know, uh, T-Ray washed up in the river. T-Ray is this like albino guy with a bandage on his nose and, and a ponytail. And uh, he has like magic powers and he absolutely fucked up Deadpool in like issue 13 of this book. It, this is issue 30. So it's been a bit, but just like, you know, beat him to within an inch like actually turned off his healing factor and and nearly killed killed deadpool yeah so one day t-ray washed up in the river behind their place they took him in to nurse him back to health he turned out to be a mercenary on the run from a botched job who couldn't afford to leave witnesses he killed mercedes thought he'd killed wade and then 
Deadpool shows Mercedes his face for the first time. And it's, you know, like, oh, we'll get through this, blah, 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 blah. Right. So they have one lead on what's going on. This guy named Grunch. And so Monty finds out that he's back at the hell house in Chicago. That's the the mercenary house where Deadpool had been taking jobs for most of this book. And so Deadpool, Eleni, the pilot and Mercedes go to confront him. They fight through all the other mercs because he hasn't been back since T-Ray kicked his ass while they're gone. T-Ray attacks Monty, abducts Monty, strings him up, hangs him from a noose. By the way, the, that guy Grunch gets murdered by cats because apparently he had a thing for murdering kittens himself. You know, it's all Deadpool <laughs> slapstick stuff. So it turns out, I guess, Monty isn't fully dead. He breaks into Landell Luckman and Lake headquarters just as Zoe Culloden, his main contact at LLNL. And she's now the overboss of the firm after the messy ending to the whole Messiah plot. She's executing this order to completely destroy the life and soul of a, quote, writer named, quote, Kelly. Joe Kelly being the writer of this book. (laughs) So they put Monty in this, like, generic sci-fi healing tank. Deadpool peels off the quip. Most hospitals won't take a guy without insurance or skin. Where was I supposed to take him? An upholsterer? (laughs) They kind of have... Zoe flirt with making a full villain turn says that Monty is Landell Luckman and Lake property and Deadpool is too. He, Mercedes and Eleni are thrown in a cell. They break out, but Mercedes is going crazy. She's swearing revenge. She's grabbing guns. This freaks Deadpool out. Like, you know, I didn't do all this to have you like go down the dark twisted path that I'm on, blah, 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 blah. He decides to surrender on the condition that they let Mercedes go uh, and Eleni go away and might wipe their memories of him. Instead, the day is saved by Zoe, who, you know, turns out to be good at the last moment, resigns as overboss and goes to live happily ever after with Monty, who had this enormous crush on her. So Zoe sets up a teleporter for them to escape. Deadpool Mm -hmm. and Mercedes intend to go to Madrid and live happily ever after, but somehow instead they're teleported to Maine where T-Ray is waiting for them. And specifically they're teleported to that idyllic farm home where Mercedes was killed. And while they're there, T-Ray slowly reveals the truth. T-Ray is the real Wade Wilson. Deadpool is the mercenary that uh, washed up in the river. So Deadpool killed Mercedes, intended to kill, uh, or tried to kill T-Ray, a.k.a. Wade, and steal his identity. But T-Ray didn't die, swore himself to vengeance, traded his soul away for magic powers, became a mercenary, yada, yada, yada. And then Joe Kelly uncorks the monologue that kind of serves as the thesis to this whole Deadpool run and kind of a defining statement on the future of the character in this, his last issue. Deadpool says, you know, when confronted with all this truth is like, oh, I can't take it. I can't take it. And he starts laughing. He says, oh, sorry. (laughs) Grammy always had uh, always said it was rude to laugh at stupid people. Okay, Wade, Uh, Wade in quotes. I'll tell you squirrels and coconuts. You spent your whole pathetic life working to whip together this little reunion like a Martha Stewart on acid, figuring to break my spirit. For a second, it worked. You did it. You had me ready to leap up and impale myself on the nearest circus little person. But then something happened, a synapse fired open and I had a 
I had what born-agains and alcoholics like to call a moment of clarity. You ever see that old cartoon with the squirrel who's trying to eat a coconut? Chuck Jones, I think. The squirrel finds a coconut and thinks that he's hit the acorn mother load, only he can't crack the nut. It's too hard. So he goes and gets a jackhammer. He throws it down a stairs, runs it over with a truck. Nothing. Finally, he pushes this monster up a gazillion stairs at the, all the way to the top of the Empire State Building, and he heaves it. Crack. Slowly, the shell peels back. You know what's inside? Another coconut shell. That squirrel is in cartoon hell. That squirrel is me. Every time I get a shot at saving the world or doing the right thing or waving the truth, uh, the, or waving the truth and justice flag instead of gutting a guy, I do it. And every time I get the shaft for my trouble, every time there's another coconut shell I gotta crack. But just like that squirrel, in another month or so, the cartoon reruns and I try again. You did mess up my head by showing me what a dirtbag I've been in my lifetime, but that doesn't change the fact that I'm still trying to be better. I'm giving it a shot. At the end of the day, I'm winning, and I wouldn't have things any different. He says, except for you, Mercedes, makes his apologies. And T-Ray also brought back everyone who Wade's ever killed as a zombie. And he says, as for the rest of you, I wouldn't apologize to you if you threaten to consign me to, if you threaten to consign me to spend all eternity smothered in chocolate sauce and trapped in a Roseanne Bar Star Jones sandwich. I'm glad you're dead. If I could, I'd kill you again. Then I'd go back in time, impregnate each of your mothers to make sure you were born, and I'd kill you again. So if you want me to turn into some sort of bleeding heart and keep and weep out an apology, you're gonna have to rip it out of me. Damn. <laughs> Damn. All right, Deadpool. Yeah. But the whole like, you know, I'm always gonna do the right thing. I'm always I'm never going to see any rewards for it. I'm always going to try to be a better person, regardless. That's kind that of is- like the essence of Deadpool right there. Yeah. And since just like day one, apparently. Yeah. Well, I think only since this run, but yeah, that was just kind of cool to see it all laid out together. Anyway, T-Ray freaks out and kills Wade, but, or kills Deadpool, but because we don't know, we don't really know who Wade is now. I guess it might be T-Ray. I, I read the wiki, you know, just to check in on that story. Uh-huh. And there was a, you know, a, um, they revisited this story plot in an issue of Cable and Deadpool somewhere around, you know, mid 2000s. And they said something like, uh, yeah, you know, there are holes in Deadpool's story, in in T Ray's story, but really it all depends on which writer you like the most. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah, Mercedes gets transformed into another sort of albino weirdo like T-Ray. They go off together and all the people who Deadpool has ever killed basically rip Deadpool apart and he dies, but death comes and says, yeah, your your healing factor is still working. So you're only dead for 30 days or so. And she goes to make out with him until he comes back to life. No. <laughs> and that's that's the end of Joe Kelly's run on Deadpool. All right. Yeah. So interesting that's stuff. Fun. Yeah. It's it's uh, cool to see the the you know these characters 
get peace to watch them get peace together, you know? Right. Yeah. That's that one is, of my favorite. That's, yeah, that's, that's one of my favorite things about this project. Yeah. And then also see the stuff that has since been forgotten. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. So what do you got next week? Next week, man. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> I have the first book of the new Hulk series. Okay. Uh, Sick. I have Electra Daredevil. Nice. And I also have volume four of Donnie Cates's Thor. Oh, okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. I mean, excuse me. Oh my gosh. Next, shush. Next week. <laughs> next week is gonna be fun. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Do you know what you got? Yeah, I got some uncanny X-Men and some Wolverine. And then I think some scattered like annuals and stuff like that. I think that might be it. I like annuals. I feel like those are the times we can really just tell a random story because why not? Yeah, they can be very hit or miss. Yeah. But yeah. At least if they're missed, it's only one issue. (laughs) Exactly. It's very, very true. (sighs) Well, good. I guess I guess that'll do. Oh, shameless plug for my Twitch because plug yourself. On Sundays, we are reading comics now. And I've finished cataloging my comic book collection. Right. uh, With the exception of the ones that I've bought since. (laughs) But um, (laughs) it's not always uh, the problem. It's like the magic cards. I'm like, oh, I finally got all of my decks together. Oh, but I just realized that I want to buy these 20 new cards and (laughs) distribute them amongst my 15 different decks. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. So, so phase five and phase six of the MCU have been announced and well, not all of phase six, but yeah, they did say that phase six is ending with secret war. Avengers yeah. Secret Wars. Yeah. And yeah. So assuming that it is going to be based on the recent 20, uh, the 20. I don't think that is a very straightforward assumption. I think it could, could, very easily go either way yeah be, exactly yeah so, assuming that it's based off of the new secret wars yeah um i am doing a giant i'm doing a read-along for the stuff that builds up to hickman's mm-hmm. crossover event secret wars starting with hickman's avengers um, well you didn't start with hickman's fantastic four eh I did not <laughs> um that would be going uh, way too, that would that would be just That'd be a bit much. Yeah. So two weeks ago, I did Avengers Volume 1. And then last week was New Avengers Volume 1. Cool. And that one, they explored incursions and what the incursions are. Yeah. And conceptually, they got introduced in Multiverse of Madness. So um, just I I had a good time (laughs) exploring the OG incursions. And then next week... Or this coming Sunday will be Avengers Volume 2, The Last White Event, mm. which, spoiler alert, will have some star brand stuff. Sure will. We still have star brands in current Avengers. So uh, this is arguably the first time we got a star brand in 616. Well, the first star brand in 616 was a T-Rex fighting off a Kree invasion, but... <laughs> First time in our world seeing the Star Brand in 616. 
<laughs> will be Hickman's Avengers yes. volume two. <laughs> anyway, so come and hang out with me on Twitch, Silver Dream. Yeah. But yeah, just uh, I'm really excited about comics. In case you guys couldn't tell, <laughs> kind of, kind of the whole idea of the show. Yeah, wanted to plug that for a second. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I guess with that, uh, unless you have any outgoing thoughts and messages, I really don't. No. All right. Well, then you got a place for the. Let's 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 put the outro music here. Okay. Uh, I can see that being a place for it. See you soon. That's very exciting.